0: Hey,
1: guys, it's Haley, and you're listening to Kindled. Well, I'm really, really excited to share this conversation with you today. It is with Christopher Yuan, and uh, he is someone that I really admire and have come to just appreciate his words and uh, his wisdom on the topic of gender and sexuality so much. This is an issue that I know a lot of us are struggling through how to think about it, how to feel about it, how to deal with relationships and, and close relationships. Uh, relationships that we really value and want to protect while also navigating the reality that um, we understand the Bible's view on it. And so uh, I feel that I am ill-equipped for that more often than not. And so I feel like this is an episode that I could probably go back and take notes on, and uh, you may find that that is the same for you. Before we get started, I want to let you know that the sponsor of this episode is H. Williams Creative. H. Williams Creative. Meet your creative team. A lot of people wonder what web design and graphic design really encompasses. Like, obviously, they know I make websites, but they're like, well, what do you really do? What I really do is make you look good online. That's it. I make you look good online through all and any means possible, from web design to branding, graphic design to strategy email marketing. You can learn more at hwilliamscreative.com and uh, learn how my team and I can help your business finally look online like you see it in your head. Email me at haley at hwilliamscreative.com, H-A-L-E-Y at hwilliamscreative.com, or visit my website hwilliamscreative.com. Okay, now to my conversation with Christopher Yuan. So today on Kindled, I am chatting with Dr. Christopher Yuan. Dr. Yuan, thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Thanks for having me on, Haley.
1: So I'm really excited for my audience to get to know you. Um, Before we get into the topic today, would you uh, give us a little bit of uh, your story and um, tell us who you are and what you do?
2: Yeah, I'd love to. You know, I, you know, my story Maybe a little bit unusual from some who go to church. I was not raised in the church. My parents came to the U.S. There. I'm, I'm Chinese, so my parents were born in China, raised in Taiwan, then came here for graduate school. But they, no one ever shared them the gospel. They, they didn't go to church. They didn't own a Bible. And um, you know, my parents raised me with very traditional Chinese values. And I can jokingly say it, I can distill that to three things, obey your parents, do well in school, and practice piano. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I, I wrestled with my sexuality from a young age. Instr- interestingly, it was when I was around nine years old, I came across pornography at a friend's house. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't like one of my friends. It was actually a trusted family friend and who just you know hid away pornography in his mm-hmm. in his bathroom of all things under the the sink you know hiding it quote unquote i found it and it was then that i realized that i had these attractions well this was back in the 70s late 70s mm-hmm. and i big stigma no one talked about it so i didn't tell anyone and i kept this hidden through high school college even the marine corps reserves -hmm. It wasn't until my early twenties that I finally I never I no longer kept it a secret and I finally came out of the closet. And twenty years old, I think that's a bit older nowadays. When when people are encouraged and children and youth are encouraged to to come out uh, and to embrace quote unquote who they are. But for me, it was about in my early twenties. At this time, I moved from Chicago, where I was born and raised, and where I am now to Louisville, Kentucky, where I was pursuing my doctorate in dentistry. After a year of dental school, I decided to go home and break the news to my parents, and I told them I am gay. You know, it's like my declaration. This is who I am. Devastated my mom, and she gave me an ultimatum. So, Haley, I don't know if you've ever heard of the the phrase uh, tiger mom. Have you heard that before? It's Uh, about mothers, kind of, um, you know, they're protective, they're, uh, they control the situation, they make their kids, you know, play piano, violin, get straight A's, you know, all everything. So that's called the tiger mom. So my mom's, you know, just typical Asian tiger mom, and she was going to fix the situation. And she said, you either have to choose the family or choose that. Well, Well, in our Asian culture, family is everything. I mean, I think in America, we've lost that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, it's not family isn't everything. It's the individual that's everything. And we, uh, she gave me this ultimatum thinking that, you know, being Chinese, I would obviously choose the family, not yourself, not individualism, you know, but I'm born in America and I was kind of this intercultural, I'm not really American. I'm not really Chinese, but I didn't want to be different. So I wanted to be, you know, just, just completely American, just like all my other peers. So I, you know, I'm thinking I'm American, I'm not Chinese. And I told my mom this is not a choice. This is Mm -hmm. who I am. Mm -hmm. So I left home, went back to Louisville, Kentucky, devastated my mom. And to make things worse, my parents' marriage was a disaster. They actually had already began the paperwork for divorce. So my mom was literally at the end of a rope Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: she found no more reason to live. And on the next day, she had resolved to do the unthinkable and she was going to end her life amazingly, God used that crisis to bring her to faith. Wow! She tells a story and and she says how um, she had planned to end her life. And in reality, she did. One of her favorite verses is Galatians 2.24. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So within a few months, my father also became a follower of Christ, and Christ living in them prepared my parents for the really difficult years ahead as I headed further and further and further away from God.
1: That's incredible. So, I, I mean, yeah. that's just like, give me chills when you read that verse. It's just insane how that that inner desire, out, even though it was a sinful one, actually God, you know, um, used for good. I mean, and he, it, and he converted that into um, his, his own glory by bringing her to Christ.
2: And it was so countercultural to an Asian mother. Right. Remember, family is everything and children, you know. Uh, these the, the immigrants, the people who come here from other countries, don't come here just to, you know, for a change of scenery. They come here for a better life to achieve, you know, the quote unquote the American dream. And my that's what that's why my my parents came here to have a better life than that they had in China and Taiwan. And so, what did that mean? I mean, why have a better life? It was because so your children could have a much better life than you and um and so it was just totally countercultural, you know, I think when we come to Christ, we don't just have to crucify our thoughts and our desires, we have to crucify our culture, mm-hmm. our past, our you know our ethnic identity, all of that has to come under the submission to christ and this is why, for my mom, it was so it was I joke it wasn't just one eighty it was like seven Twenty or whatever right 20, times <laughs> um, so anyway, I went back to Louisville and I just I was living it up you know I yeah. was twenty two twenty three at that time and not a Christian and you know what do you do when you 're twenty twenty three ish twenty four years old and you 're not a Christian mm-hmm. have fun right I mean right. live it up. So I was, I spent most of my free time when I wasn't in school in the clubs and in the, in the bars and, you know, even during the week uh, I, I, and in the gay clubs, I was going from relationship to relationship, seeking intimacy, Mm -hmm. happiness, which I found. And I also began experimenting with drugs and I I always need to make a very clear caveat. I'm telling my story because sometimes people misunderstand that I'm trying to say all gays, and lesbians do drugs or promiscuous. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. Some, some do, some don't. Right. But regrettably, that's my story. But I also want to remind people and your listeners that when you encounter the living Jesus Christ, he will impact every aspect of your life. So my story isn't just about sexuality. It's about humanity. It's about our mm-hmm. sin nature. It's about all the issues that relate to our need for Christ. So I began right. experimenting with drugs. But... You know, I'm 20 some years old, which meant, and a student, which meant I was broke. Mm-hmm. Drugs cost money. If I was going to do drugs, I had to find a way to support my habit. And you know how I did that, Haley? I did that by selling drugs. Right. You know, I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to be this big drug dealer. I'm like, I don't have money and I want to go out and party with my friends. So I might as well make a little, like, just a little side cash just to pay for my own habit. Well, mm-hmm. you never have to go looking for sin. And I began selling to friends, classmates, even a professor. Wow. I thought I could live this double life. You know, don't we always You know, live this double life of being a graduate student by day and a promiscuous drug dealer by night. Have our cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. Well, um, eventually I was expelled from dental school. It was only three months before I was received my doctorate. Wow. So my mom and dad flew from Chicago to Louisville. And I'm like, great, they're going to fight to keep me in school. I mean, I even knew of other instances, you know, in other situations. And, and you know, Haley, I wasn't even failing school. It just was, I wasn't going to class. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, I was missing clinic patients and stuff like that. Uh, you know, missing uh, my patients would, there'd be a no show and, and I wouldn't mm-hmm. be there. So obviously, you know, I was not, not, educa- education at that time was not my biggest priority. Sure. So I was expelled and my parents flew down. But to my surprise, my mother told the dean when we were in his office and we were all there together, she she said, it's not important that Christopher becomes a dentist. What's more important is that Christopher becomes a Christ follower. Wow. She said that they're going to support whatever decision the school made. You can imagine how infuriated (laughs) I was. See, you know, I mean, my mother knew that it was not important. That, Mm -hmm. you know, my education, none of that was important. What was most important, that I needed to surrender to Jesus. But Mm -hmm. so so often, parents, they put education, career above everything else. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, how many times, how how much time, you know, do parents spend, you know, on, on I'm guilty children, of that. Hounding yeah. them, you know, get your homework done, get a better grade. And don't get me wrong. Those are not bad things. Those are good things. Mm-hmm. But are we putting that above? So what do our children see communicating, you know, to, from us, you know, from adults that, you know, by our words, you know, we say, you know, Jesus is, is first, but then by our actions, we're putting that emphasis And my mom, just, you know, we cannot idolize career and education, which this is, I'm speaking to Asian parents, that boy, mm-hmm. Asian parents and Christian Asian parents, Christian Chinese parents put that almost like a God. And it's no mm-hmm. wonder why our youth, you know, it, almost every study shows that the majority of youth who were raised in the church go off to college and they they leave their faith behind because maybe
0: mm-hmm.
2: we weren't even teaching our children to worship God in the first place at home.
1: Yeah. So yep, I have absolutely I grew up in a private private school in a homeschool environment. And I witnessed mm. that of many of my peers just went going to college. And I mean, I was in that group as well, but not completely left the faith, but just, um, you know, kind of boomeranged mm. away from, yeah. well, that would actually be coming back. But uh, on, the, on the upswing, you know, some of, them, some of them eventually found their way back. But yeah, that's absolutely, I think, a, something that we've, you know, we've seen happen to so many.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean it's like sure. I mean obviously good things you know make sure you do your homework. But then are we actually doing at the same time or actually more, you know, let's focus on our, you know, intimacy with God every single day. Just as every single day you got to do your homework, let's every single day be devoting uh, and mm-hmm. you know re- working on that renewal. Well, so so eventually I was kicked out obviously. And um I just moved further away. I'm like I want nothing to do with my crazy parents. And I moved further away from Chicago to the big city of Atlanta. And there I kept doing what I knew how to do best, which was party, which was have fun. Mm -hmm. And I became not just a supplier in Atlanta. I'm I'm not just a dealer in Atlanta, but a supplier to other dealers in over a dozen states. Mm -hmm. It was nothing for me to have multiple anonymous sexual encounters each and every day. Because according to the world, I had it all, money, fame, drugs, and sex. My parents even came to visit me one time in Atlanta and I told them to get out, you know, and, and they weren't preaching at me. Yeah. They weren't telling me I was living in sin. I knew what they believed, but just the fact that God radically, radically transformed their lives that they radiated Christ, that was offensive to me. And I told them to leave because, you know, we hear the their narrative today that Christian parents cannot or are unable to love their gay children. You actually have to shed, you know, that, quote unquote, old fashioned, outdated teaching from the Bible Mm -hmm. to then love your gay children or become an atheist or become a progressive Christian.
0: Right, right.
2: It wasn't until, uh, you know, I I had the exact opposite experience. My parents were not Christian and Mm -hmm. they couldn't love me. It wasn't until they actually became followers of Christ that they knew that they could do nothing other than to love me as God loved them. while they were powerless, while they were sinners, while they were enemies from Romans 5. So um, I kicked them out. Before my dad left, he gave me his very first Bible. And I'm like, I don't want your Bible. I was so angry. I'm like, I don't want your Bible. Mm -hmm. He left it on my kitchen counter and walked out the door. They left. As soon as they left, I took my dad's Bible and I threw in the trash can. I wanted nothing to do with God and mm-hmm. definitely nothing to do with the Bible.
0: Right.
2: And after that visit, it was so completely obvious to my parents that I was totally unreachable mm-hmm. and completely hopeless. But my parents committed not to focus on the hopelessness, but upon the promises of God. My mom began to pray bold prayer for a mother to pray, God, do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to bring this prodigal son to you. In her desperation, she fasted every Monday for seven years, once fasted 39 days on my behalf. Wow. She would spend hours every single morning in her prayer closet, reading the Bible, on her knees, interceding for me for many, many others, because she just Mm. knew. She knew it, it was going to take absolutely nothing but a miracle to bring this prodigal son to the father. Mm. And a miracle is exactly what God did. This miracle came with a bang on my door. I opened up my door. You know what I saw, Haley? 12 federal drug enforcement agents, Atlanta police, and two big German shepherd dogs.
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: So they they confiscated my money, my drugs, and I was charged with the equivalent of 9.1 tons of marijuana. Wow. So, I was facing ten years to life in federal prison mm. i um so i I tried calling my I tried calling home just thinking just dreading making that phone call. but my mother's first words were, "Are you okay?" Mm. No condemnation, no berating words, just words of unconditional love and grace
0: mm-hmm.
2: so um you know she you know I, I I think about so much about that this part of what Paul says in Romans chapter two, verse four that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not God's wrath,
0: mm-hmm.
2: not his anger, not even his punishment, but it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance so um i my mom hung up that phone and she just was reminded of one of her favorite hymns Count your blessings, name them one by one. So she put the phone down, and next to this phone was a calculator by chance. Mm-hmm. And it was a kind that had um, like ticker tape, like um, adding machine tape. So she oh. tore a, just a little piece of the add machine tape and she got a pen and she wrote down these first blessings. Christopher is in a safe place. Well, I mean, compared to before. Right. <laughs> and he called home for the very first time. Hmm. As my years in prison passed, she kept adding to this list and taping more pieces of ticker tape and adding machine tape to it. And this list of blessings by the time I got out of prison was longer and taller than she it was like six, six, six feet long now. <laughs> and it's even wow. both sides.
0: It's so cool.
2: So a few days after that, I was walking around the cell block and I'm like, man, I just, I, a place that I never, ever thought I would be. And I know you're thinking, but wait, you were like, you know, drug dealing, supplier, mm-hmm. you know, when you're on drugs, you don't think right. And yeah. you think you're invincible.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, you know, there I was and I'm trying to say to myself and I passed by this garbage can and I'm, and i I look at this and I'm like, this is my life. I'm from upper middle class suburb of Chicago. My dad, two doctorates. I was just three months away from receiving my own doctorate. I had a bright future. Mm -hmm. And now I was in prison among common criminals. Mm -hmm. Trash. I kept walking and I was about to pass by this garbage can, but something on top of the trash caught my eye. I bent over, I picked it up, and it was a Gideon's New Testament. Oh my gosh. took it back to my cell. I opened up that good book. And you know, Haley, I wasn't thinking, oh yeah, here, you know, this is the word of God. Or I wasn't thinking, you know, this is gonna be the answer to all my problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just like, I've got tons of time on my hands and I gotta pass it somehow. <laughs> yeah. But as you know, and as your listeners know, what we have in our Bibles is not just ink on paper. But what we have in our Bibles is the very breath of God. And it is living and powerful than any, sharper than any double-edged sword, able to cut through the hardest of hearts, exposing my sin, my rebellion, and it wasn't a pre And I thought things couldn't get any worse. Mm -hmm. I was wrong. Um so I was called uh to the nurse's office and I uh was they handcuffed me and I walked into her office and I just knew something wasn't right she was uncomfortably struggling with the words and uh she, she couldn't even give me eye contact so she wrote something on a piece of paper and she slowly slid it across the desk to me I looked down and I saw three letters And a symbol. It read H I V positive. Mm. Man. A few days after that, I was laying in my cell all by myself. And I looked up at the cold metal bunk above me. And I and there's just like, you know, just graffiti gang symbols, profanity, all the usual stuff. But something, someone had written something else in the corner and it read if you're bored read jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven. for i know the plans that i have for you declares the lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future
0: mm-hmm.
2: well at the most hopeless point in my life God used the words penned by a prophet thousands of years ago to a rebellious nation to tell me that regardless of who I was and what I had done in my past, he still had a plan for me. Mm -hmm. I had no idea where this plan was, was going to take me, but God gave me enough faith, enough strength to get through that one day and the next and the next. My transformation was gradual and God was convicting me of my dependencies, obviously drugs, but within a few months, God delivered me from that addiction. Mm-hmm. I kept bringing to mind other idols and there was one that I felt like I just couldn't let go of, my sexuality. Mm-hmm. So I went to a chaplain and I asked him his opinion on this issue. And to my surprise, this chaplain actually told me the Bible does not condemn homosexuality. And he gave me a book explaining that view. So think about this, Haley. I mean, I was so excited. You know, I'm, you know, I I was thinking, I'm finally, you know, I'm going to have some biblical justification for homosexuality. So I had that book in one hand and the Bible in the other. And from a purely human perspective, I had every single reason in the world to accept what that book is claiming. Think about it. To justify the way I had been living. Every reason. You know, like I said before, we all want our cake and eat it too. Fortunately, I had that, bu- that book and the Bible and the other. But I know now it was God's indwelling Holy Spirit that convicted me that those assertions from that book were a clear distortion of God and his word. I couldn't even finish that book, and I gave it back to the chaplain.
0: Hmm.
2: So I turned to the Bible alone, and I went through every verse, every chapter, every every page of scripture. Remember that the chaplain told me God blesses same-sex relationships, and I'm like, Okay, well, obviously this book didn't help, but let's Mm -hmm. go through the whole Bible. I mean, if the Bible says so, well, then I'm going to follow what the Bible says. So I went through the whole Bible. I wanted to find any verse, any shred of of evidence that might bless a monogamous same-sex relationship. I went through the whole Bible. Mm -hmm. I went through every single verse, and I couldn't find any. Mm -hmm. So... I was at a turning point and I you know I either abandon God and his word to live as a gay man to pursue a monogamous same-sex relationship by allowing my attractions and this is really important by allowing my sexual attractions to dictate not only who I was but also how I am
0: mm-hmm.
2: so or abandon pursuing a monogamous same-sex relationship how? By freeing myself from my sexuality, by not allowing my desires to control who I am mm-hmm. and live as a follower of Jesus Christ. That
1: what you just said right there is so incredibly countercultural because it I've is. I've never I don't think I've ever even heard someone say, um, how did you phrase it? Uh, on? Unhook myself from my sexuality. Yeah, dis- like,
2: exactly. Disconnect myself. Disconnect. Like I, yeah. Yes, from myself, from my sexuality. I've
1: that's, never even heard that phrase, but it, the I mean, whole, we don't hear that.
2: And that's the core issue that Christians mm-hmm. we need to really, really understand. And and that's why it was so much that uh, you know, uh, and uh, because I had to make that choice, and we all need to make that choice. Am I am I going to cling to my to my sin nature? Or am I going to choose God? It's it, And this. I don't want to make this like this is just a decision that I have to make. Every right. single Christian needs to make that decision. Am right. I going to choose God? Or am I going to choose something that's not God, myself, or my yeah. desires, or, or whatever? And and these can even be so-called good things. You yeah, know, We can make absolutely. our children our God. We can make our career our God. We can make whatever it is, my desire to be happy or to be content, our God. We have to make that decision. We're, we all... Every you know, every person is at that turning point. Am I going to choose God or choose not? Mm-hmm. And 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 I know that it, it was not even. I, I couldn't even make that decision on my own. It was God, totally God that that drew me and and made me. It was a Holy Spirit in, inside of me that that that. Was enabled that enabled me to make that decision to follow Jesus.
1: Yeah, because even as you were like searching the scriptures, I, you know, as you were explaining and telling that part of your story, I was wondering, you know, what even caused you to care what the scriptures said. Like, why did you suddenly have a desire to know what God said about this issue that that obviously directly affected you and would really change your whole life? And but why did you care? Like, why you know that just evidence of the Holy Spirit's work? Holy
2: Spirit. Period. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's only the Holy Spirit that draws us mm-hmm. to, you know, to God and, and, and lightens our mind to see his truth. And, and which is why so many people who do don't, you know, and, and I, it's not, it's, it's that the Holy Spirit is not abiding in them. If the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit's job, one of the, one of his jobs is to convict us of sin and, and to also to reveal God's truth to mm-hmm. us. Then, and, and we don't see that in others, even though they may be saying that, you know, that, that they're Christian or, you know, there's even many people that say, oh, I'm gay and Christian and God's okay with that. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it if the Holy Spirit, I mean, if they're not being convicted of their sin, then it's could be evidence that the Holy Spirit is not indwelling them and abiding in them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, yeah, so I, this is God, God drew me and just kind of, you know, removed the blinders from my eyes and... So I began, you know, living and this uh, being abstinent, and and after some time of being abstinent, I realized that my sexuality doesn't have to be the core of who I am.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I told myself before, God loves me unconditionally. We all know that that is true. But as sinners, don't we like to add add to God's truth? I added, mm-hmm. so therefore He doesn't want me to change. Similar to people who say, "God loves me just the way I am, so leave me alone." Right. <laughs> but after reading the Bible several times, I learned that unconditional love is not the same thing as unconditional approval of my behavior. Mm-hmm. See, that's so important. Unconditional love is not the same in, in, same thing as unconditional approval of my behavior. Right. My identity shouldn't be defined by my sexuality. My identity shouldn't be defined by my desires, whether sexual or romantic or any other desire. My identity is not gay. Mm -hmm. It is not ex-gay. It's not even heterosexual for that matter. Because my identity as a child of the living God must be in Jesus Christ alone.
1: Mm, Yes,
2: God says, "Be holy, for I am holy." You know, I thought in the past that if I were to become a Christian, that that I would have to become a heterosexual. And what does that mean? Well, the more sexually attracted I were to women, and lots and lots of women, the more of a Christian man I would be. But even if I had opposite sex attractions, I would still need to flee temptation every day. I would still need to resist sin. So heterosexuality actually is not the goal. Mm -hmm. Think about this. God never commands us either to be heterosexual for I am heterosexual, but neither did God say be homosexual for I am homosexual. Instead, God says be holy for Mm -hmm. I am holy. So Therefore, the opposite of homosexuality is not heterosexuality. It's the right direction, but it is too broad and general. That includes sinful behavior. So, The opposite of homosexuality is not heterosexuality, but the opposite of homosexuality is Mm -hmm. holiness. As a matter of fact, the opposite of every sin is holiness because I don't need to focus upon whether I'm struggling, whether I'm tempted, but I need to focus upon living a life of holiness and living a life of purity.
1: Yeah, because that's really that's really powerful right there with the the idea that God is not he does not say be heterosexual as I am heterosexual, but be holy as I'm holy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, um, you know, progressives, as you mentioned earlier, progressives like Jen Hatmaker and others who have really mm-hmm. um, made this uh, a platform and a, and a um I don't know the flag they fly I guess in yes. terms of their message and their platform and what they are really seeking to um to make a make their mark in is they have dubbed and kind of labeled um homosexuality or any type of relationship really within the LGBTQ plus spectrum as holy. And I even see that language being borrowed from the Bible and from what God says is holy and and saying, no, you know, forget about like biblical definitions and terms. We don't need that. Holiness is something other to them. It doesn't, it doesn't Mm -hmm. have anything to do with what God has said. So could you talk about that for a second and just the idea of what holiness actually is, because yes. you see that being abused and used so widely and strangely these days that I I think that it can be easy for us to forget what holiness actually
2: means. Yes. So in in our vernacular today, holiness is kind of about purity or moral uprightness mm-hmm. um, and also almost in a negative sense, you know, holier than thou. And uh, it, it definitely has that implication in Scripture. But holiness in Scripture, uh, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, uh, holiness meant set apart. So why it is God holy? Because he's completely set apart, not just from humanity, but all of creation. And that his ways, his thoughts are completely set apart. Then God, who is holy, he's calling his people to be like him. So also, mm-hmm. I mean, we can't be set apart from, you know, ourselves, mm-hmm. but we can be set apart from the world. We can be set apart right. from those that are not uh, people of god so in other words during that time they were pagans they were people that were worshiping idols and 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 they were living very immoral lives even today uh, considered immoral where they would sacrifice children they would Mm -hmm. kill each other i mean you know a lot and a lot of sexual immorality um not even just to mention homosexuality but uh it was very common and so god was saying you're going to set yourselves apart from them and how do you do that well how you live Mm-hmm. So that's where it kind of so holiness wasn't just kind of like a mindset right uh or like a an attitude or a mm-hmm. feeling or even monogamy mm-hmm. right <laughs> because, it was because that's just... the
1: claim we see with um those who would argue that homosexuality can be God honoring in the context of you know a monogamous um, relationship, right? And- right,
2: a, a monogamous same-sex relationship. They say yeah. that's mm-hmm. holy. Well, I mean, holiness means uh, you know not only being set apart, but it's it's by our behavior. So that's where it gets mm-hmm. into you know, and it's it, holiness is it really means being set apart, but then how we apply that is by how we live and our behaviors. Well, how do you set yourself apart by how you live? Well, not doing what the world is doing, and very specifically, we then begin doing what God is calling us to do. So holiness is lined up with God's... uh, kind of requirements and Mm -hmm. expectations for how we live. So you're exactly right. A lot of times people kind of throw that out, you know, well, as as long as it's monogamous, well, Mm -hmm. actually the Bible, I mean, there isn't anywhere in the Bible that says, uh, you know, what's holy or what marriage is, is just as long as it's monogamous. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I love to go to is, you know, to clearly articulate the biblical view of marriage and, and sex and sexuality The best apologetic is actually coming, it comes from Matthew chapter 19 and in his parallel passage, Mark chapter 10, where Jesus is questioned by the Pharisees about divorce. And Jesus being God, he actually elevates the question because to ask about divorce means that you're asking the question about marriage. So he not only answers the question about divorce, but he also gives a foundation for what is marriage the, the essence of marriage? Where he says, "In the beginning, the Creator made the male and female, and the two shall become one flesh." And what we what we often miss is, you know, that whole answer. I'm sure many people have heard that before. Uh, but for Jesus, for him to just answer the divorce question, all Jesus needed to do was to say, "The two shall become one flesh," which he then, you know, kind of explains what that means. What God has put together, let man not separate. The two should become one flesh is right from Genesis 2, chapter 20, uh, G- Genesis chapter two, verse 24. And, um, that just alone answers the, the question about divorce. However, Jesus throws in at the beginning of that statement, uh, the creator made them male and female. And that's not from Genesis two, but it's from the chapter before in Genesis one 27, where that is also known as the Imago Dei verse. So what Jesus was actually doing was not only teaching about divorce, he was schooling them about marriage mm-hmm. and, and, and explaining that marriage, it's not just the two becoming one, which it is, but he was also throwing in there the very essential aspect of the creator made the male and female, which so amazing, which we see later in chapter 22, uh, chapter two, uh, Genesis chapter two, is how God took the human, or Adam, because Adam is also is a name, but it also means human. He took the human, the one, and from the one it took, well, most translations have rib, but the, the, the more accurate translation for rib, it's the Hebrew word selah. And although we translate in most translations as rib, in every other time that that Hebrew word selah comes up in the rest of the Old Testament, it's translated as side. I actually much prefer that. So in other words, God took the side from the human and created woman. And what was left over was the man. And so, you know, so he took, in a sense, the side of the man and created woman. So that's why then, uh, uh, you know, when Jesus says the two shall become one, it's actually, you know, in creation, God created human one. And then to create male and female, he, he took the side from man and created uh, male and female. And then marriage is then the two then becoming one again. So it's the one becoming two and the two shall becoming one. Mm-hmm. And even that is how it's, co- it's this marriage to becoming one. Jesus is pointing it back to the imago day chapter, which then also implies that there is this correlation in marriage, one becoming two that points back to the image of God. So when people say, well, you know, why is this such a big deal what people do in their bedrooms? Because mm-hmm. for God, it's a big deal. How many times does God over and over talk about sexual morality and immorality to avoid that mm-hmm. in the Old Testament and the New Testament? So it's not only disobeying God and his and His expectations for us, but any sexual immorality, any distortion of what marriage is also is distorting the very image of God.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's so helpful that you brought that up because that is an argument that we see being uh you know being um leveraged i guess Emoted, in this, yeah. in this de- debate is you know what does what someone does in their bedroom how what is that what effect does that have on you how are they hurting you are they bothering mm-hmm. you and and it's kind of a hard one to you know without the framework of the, of the scriptures and the idea that there is actually someone outside of space and time who has right. something to say to this it's it, without that we are kind of left without um without a response. And so I think that sometimes it's easy for Christians to get uh, intimidated in this conversation Mm -hmm. because um, the world is arguing and even some many, many professing Christians are arguing Mm
0: -hmm. um,
1: from a, from a merely human standpoint. Well, what does it, what effect does that have to you? Are they, is it bothering you? Like how, how does that, Mm -hmm. how is that your business? And so they're not
2: hurting each other.
1: I I think
2: sometimes a a way that I would explain it, (laughs) even uh, if, especially people that just reject God and they're like, well, I don't even believe in that. Mm -hmm. And I know that about them. What I would sometimes turn to then, as opposed to kind of Uh, you know, the, the, obviously the theological answer, which I think is super important. I would then ask them about, uh, kind of go to the morality, right? So, So you're saying then that as long as you're, not hurting anyone, then therefore it's right. So so I, I go the kind of the ethical right, which which then I believe clearly then points back to God and moral absolutes. But mm-hmm. going this way and asking them about, so you say that uh, you know as long as you're not hurting anyone, then that's your your judgment or your uh, you know how you measure what is right or wrong. Well, then what about telling a lie? You know, so I mean, because there's a lot of the different things that 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 can be right, Mm -hmm. but um, or or you're not hurting anyone, but obviously aren't wrong. For example, incest. Mm -hmm. You know, what's what's wrong about uh, a brother and their sister getting married each other and even having sex together? What's what's wrong with that? They're not hurting each other and i know sometimes people then throw back and say well if they have children then you know there can be genetic deformities mm-hmm. obviously but then i would then push back and say so what if both uh, brother and sister they uh neutered themselves or you know the husband got his yeah. tube snipped or and the, you know the woman had her ovaries removed whatever it is then w- would you make then would it be right you know? and right. and mm-hmm. i think they would be stuck in this moral predicament where they would be like Either they would then begin questioning, be like, "Oh yeah, maybe I can't just say, Mm -hmm. as long as you're not hurting anyone." But unfortunately, I know some people that are like, "Oh yeah, then that's in that situation it it would be right," Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's just the yeah shows you the blindness that sin sin causes. I want want to go back to something you said earlier um, about uh, unconditional love does not mean unconditional approval, and this is something that we have conflated. You know, our Mm -hmm. secular the culture has, has conflated love and approval, um, as being the same. And so they, you know, we are told that if you do not approve of what I do or what I choose to to do or, or how I am in your words, then you do not approve of me. You cannot approve me. That means you're not, you don't love me. And the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. So how can mm-hmm. you say you're a Christian, um, when you won't accept my actions and, and, I, I know where you're going to give me that answer of like the identity, but, um, could you kind of speak into that and how, how the, the culture has, uh, combined identity and love and, and approval all into this, you know, inseparable bucket that now we're, we're told there's no way for you to be a loving Christian. There's no way for you to truly actually care about me, um, unless you accept what I say I am, you know? Yeah.
2: Well, you know, it, it goes back, and I'm going to go back a little bit in, in history um, mm-hmm. it, it, to explain, you know, how we got to where we are now. Mm-hmm. And and it comes from like mid-1800s. So this is when people in Europe began began reacting to all the just corruption in uh you know, the institutional church. And so we have like France and, you know, uh, these countries that just react into this and kind of from that, they threw out the baby with the bathwater. And um, so the, uh, from that also stemmed, uh, there was this sense of where you're coming out of the Industrial Revolution as well. And uh, humanism was just flourishing. They're like, man, you know, human beings, were kind of trying to figure out all this. And we've, we've just excelled all these things. But then people thought like we've become so mechanical and so, you know, factual and scientific based that we've lost all sense of emotions and desire. So that's when the Romantic period came about, you know, in the mid 1800s. Mm-hmm. And, and the, you know, well, of course, you know, emotions and desires, you can't just live without and not, you know, enjoy beauty and nature. Right. And this is where the romantic period comes with all this beautiful art. And I actually love the time period of, of music. I, I, you know, as as you know, as I said before, I put, I play the piano and I love that period. uh, Because when you hear that music, it's, it is so emotive. It makes you Mm -hmm. sad or just gives you the feels, um but the problem is they did that apart from actually not just apart rejecting god because i mm-hmm. can be like man this is beautiful praise the lord right yeah. but then for them they just said wow this is beautiful praise people you know <laughs> yeah yes. <laughs> yes and so what happened was um it was all about emotions, and then but then they were saying there's no God. Like they just rejected mm-hmm. that. Well, if there's no God, there's no purpose. Mm-hmm. So where does beauty come from? I don't know. Not only was that there, you know, there's no God, and if we're not created, then we're just in a sense just freak accidents. So Darwin is right around this time as well, kind of giving these, you know, very much atheistic humanistic views, and then there is a huge void because if we're not created. There's no purpose. Mm-hmm. If well, there's no purpose, we don't really have any like value, you know, essential value. Christians, we know that we have us, we're valuable because we're created in God's image. But when you don't believe that, then we're no different from animals, which says, well, then there's, you know, there's nothing of uh, significance to us. Mm-hmm. And so people had to create that significance. And coming out of the Romantic period, then it's like, so we create significance from our feelings and our desires. And then kind of existentialism also is focusing up upon, you know, kind of creating reality and, be, you know, through your behaviors and actions. So then all this came together. So that's why today we're kind of reaping from the fruits of that. So your desire is who you are your behaviors, Mm -hmm. your actions coming out of existentialism is now who you are because we have to create our value and personhood. So that's where we are today where, you know, it kind of, it takes people, it's a, they're blindsided, but actually if you look back in history, you see where this comes from. And so Mm -hmm. that's why, and, and actually it, So I'm just talking from an experiential perspective. Having lived as a gay man, having identified as a gay man, when I look back upon my life before Christ, it made sense to me. Why? Well, sexuality is a big, a huge aspect of our experience, personal daily experience. These desires are strong and so strong where it's like, man, I can, you know, point it back all the way back to, you know, when I was really, really young and – And so then you would then say, oh, well, the world is saying this is who you are. You know, words mm-hmm. matter. I am gay. Yeah. That am verb, it's a linking verb mm-hmm. that links the, the subject to its predicate. It's almost like mm-hmm. an equal sign. This is who I am and my thoughts, my, my body, my desire, my flesh was all affirming that. Therefore, mm-hmm. and, and this is where Christians, we totally miss the boat. Yeah. Because when we talk about homosexuality, we're talking about behavior, and that's true. But where we, so I'm not saying we miss the boat on that part. That Mm -hmm. part is true, but we miss the boat when we're engaging with those in the gay community, with those Mm -hmm. who don't know Christ, or those who are believing a false gospel and say you can be gay and Christian, because they're making sexuality a a, a, a matter of personhood, and Mm -hmm. and I'm going to get kind of I'm going to use a theological word. They make sexuality a matter of ontology.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's this is your essence. This is your personhood, your identity. When really, it's a matter of behavior or desire, or it's mm-hmm. an existential reality. Yeah. Because you know, when you when you make it that, it really becomes. Uh, it it distorts the way we think. Mm-hmm. Distorts the way we believe and and our, and our act in our, our relationship so that's why so when christians we talk to unbelievers you know well this is sin this is sinful behavior I don't, i'm not hating them but they can't separate mm-hmm. the behavior with their sin because we say you know you know this is sin they yeah. don't hear us saying they, they don't hear us saying oh okay what you're saying is what i'm doing is sinful or my desires are sinful or my right. relationship is sinful you know what they hear they hear you us saying that Their whole personhood, yeah, from head to toe. Mm -hmm. You, as a person, you are reprehensible to God, and that's Mm -hmm. why they get offended. So my point is, you know, instead of before you even get to the whole personhood, I'm sorry, the whole the sin behavior part, Mm -hmm. we have to kind of get to the core issue of identity, which then means we have to talk first about God and Jesus, which is what the gospel is about.
1: Yeah, that's really helpful. I think for. Um, for someone who might be in a conversation with a friend and, um, you know, and having having that kind of conversation to dial it back from just, because that's where we we get stalled so often is just the conversation mm-hmm. around, how can something that God made me with, this is what you'll hear people say, you know, God made me this way. How can it be a sin? How can it be wrong? It, like, right. it, it's his fault. Why would, if God is good, why would he make me this way you know and mm-hmm. so that's where theology becomes so incredibly important for us to understand well did god make me this way or is it that because of the fall of our first parents adam and eve that you know sin has spread to all mankind and yeah. and that it my desires are distorted but it, i as a you know being created in the image of god Um, that, that aspect of who I am is not, um, the problem, the identity piece it's, it's the distorted desires piece. And so, um, do you have any like tips for, for people who are just wisdom for those who might be navigating conversations around this with friends? I mean, Mm. first off, you know, I'm guessing you would say this is not a conversation you probably just, you know, have with any old person that, you know, (laughs) but with (laughs) someone that you really love and care about.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I would say uh, there there's things that I want to say you don't do because mm-hmm. because I think um, there's uh, we we just don't we, there's a lot of minefields out there and yeah. I, I think it's just to be careful of things that you should not do. I am I suggest you know not making comparisons because often we you know we we make sense to us and we're like well you know I, I think this is like any other sin. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, first of all, they, they don't understand even the concept of sin. When they hear the word sin, they think it's like, you're a murderer Mm -hmm. or whatever. And so, you know, when we say, oh, you know, this, we think that this is just like any other sin. And they're like, I've never murdered anyone. You just offended me again. You know what I mean? (laughs) Or, or we'll, you know, say it's, you know, this is just like any other sin, like lying or cheating. And they're like, (sighs) well, lying or cheating is wrong. You know?
0: Yeah.
2: I'm not wrong. You know, my personhood right. is, is not wrong. It's not bad.
1: And now you're saying that because I am attracted to the same sex that I'm just as bad as a murderer. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah,
2: or, or yeah, just because I'm, a, I, I love someone you're saying that's equivalent to lying. So I, I'm I'm just say avoid those type of analogies, mm-hmm. although it's true, but they don't have the right framework to understand it. Like yeah. another thing to avoid is uh, these two words that are very common as Christians, and it's lifestyle and choice.
0: Mm. You
2: know, we have uh, people. You know, and we say it all the time. And I understand that. You know, um, this person is living a gay lifestyle
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, because we do see a difference between the person created in God's image and their behavior. So mm-hmm. yes, it it's. It is in line with biblical teaching, but it is not in line with a secular worldview. so it's just it's just offensive to them. It, I never use those words as a gay man. I never said, you know, this is my lifestyle. I said, this is who I am. See, there's a big difference. yeah, that's
1: so that's really helpful because I know that maybe not I, I might not have said this to someone who was gay, but I know I've certainly used that as a descriptor to in, in a conversation with a Christian for mm. understanding how do I, you know, why is it different? Well, you know, and I've always gone back to, I know that the Bible says that, you know, sins of sexual immorality are the only sin one commits against their own body Mm -hmm. um, versus our, you know, the other sins would be outside your body. And so there's a, it seems like they're, it's treated a bit differently. Yes. But then also I have used those very words of, well, but it's a, it's also a lifestyle choice. So it's not like, you know, where if I were to say, um, uh, Okay, yeah, I, I lied this morning, but I repent of that. I recognize it's wrong, and I ask, have asked God for forgiveness and to change me and to help me not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas, you know, Christians um, would compare homosexuality to that and go, "But the difference is, you're waking up every day and you're choosing this over and over, and so it's therefore a lifestyle. It's it's a you've made sin a way of of life, and and so you're saying that's actually not a helpful thing to say. <laughs> that's not um that's not helpful in you know um this whole conversation at all.
2: I mean, I, I, I think the, the, the words, I I think we could say something, um, similar to that Mm -hmm. without using those, those words and, and get at the concept that you're saying, which is totally true. And you're right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's, um, and, and of course, like you said before, it would be someone that I have really built up some relational capital and, right. and some trust to then be able to kind of touch on these things that I know are going to be sensitive and right. could uh, make people feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But we—I've showed that I've through my actions that I do care for that person, and they know that. So, yeah. you know. But I, I think those these are important concepts that we do without saying that. But yeah. if it is- someone that we know well, then yeah. Oh, definitely. Because that's, that's how we need to uh, kind of shake them a bit at, to, to the point where hopefully they can break that paradigm of making their sexuality who they are.
1: Yeah. No, I, I really am appreciative of that. Cause I think, um, you know without it's like we need to get into the other person's shoes as much as that yeah. might be a trite analogy i i think
2: no it's um, exactly right it's
1: helpful to just remember that yeah be, without that framework of understanding sin or understanding you know our identity in christ and that we're made in the image of a perfect god that mm-hmm. it, without the, those frameworks it's i mean no wonder the conversation isn't going anywhere. I mean, right. culturally and within the church, no wonder uh we are just sort of uh, it seems on so many fronts at a at a standstill because mm-hmm. um because we're we're missing it's like we're missing each other
2: and or and even stuff. like the door will just close. You know, yeah. they're like get it, you know. And so we're like, yeah. okay, we lost that. And, and so another one is and, <laughs> and we've all fallen into this, is uh don't say love the sinner, hate the sin.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I always
2: tell people uh, do it. Don't say it, because mm-hmm. it's it's a great it, it's it is a good truth. You know, mm-hmm. God loves the sinner, you know, but hates the sin. And we get that right from Romans chapter five, which I mm-hmm. love. You know, Romans chapter five or six, where I, that God loves us while we were still weak. Some translations mm-hmm. say powerless. Romans five eight. He loves us while we were still sinners. Not not like when we were becoming betters or you know we're mm-hmm. sort of sinners. No, while we were still sinners. And in Romans. Five ten while we were enemies, and uh so it's a it's a fantastic paradigm for us to live out, just as God loved us while we were mm-hmm. still sinners. We need to love them without you know approving of their sin but don't tell them that. Cause again, yeah, yeah. not separate sin mm-hmm. for yeah, that. It's behavior that I'm not saying your whole person, <laughs> you know? So when I tell people, mm-hmm. you know, when you tell an unbeliever, I love you, but I hate their sin. They don't feel loved.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think that's just so, um, what I love about, you know, your suggestions here is that it really is just encouraging us to move towards people with grace mm-hmm. and understanding instead yeah. of, um, you know, the, the right words, like if you felt, you know, in the past, like, but I thought it was right to say it's a lifestyle choice. That's the difference. You know, Mm -hmm. what you're really doing is, is not actually making that person feel loved. And so, um, but which does bring us, I think back to that question of though, um, another cultural saying that we're hearing is love is love. Love love." So, Mm -hmm. you know, that is a tricky one too. Um, uh, one, I, I know that it is circular reasoning to say that love is love. Uh, The Mm -hmm. problem with it is it's not, we have no definition for love. So, so it all depends on the one who's saying it. Right. So if I, my, if I say love is love, I might mean heterosexual love, but Mm -hmm. if a gay person says love is love, they are obviously trying to make the point that, um, same sex love is love. So what do we do with that?
2: Yeah. When, especially when then they might even say in addition, if, you know, if they know anything about the Bible, they say, well, God is love, right? Mm-hmm. You know, love is love. And um, so I, I think, you know, when, when people say that, I, I think what they're getting at is, you know, one form of love is equivalent to another form of love. So, yeah. you know, a man and a woman loving each other, that's the same thing. You know, it's that, that love is just as strong, just as pure that, that they'll, they will say, or just as good they will say than a man loving a man or a woman loving a woman. And, and that's what they mean. But like you say, how do we define love? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, especially when I talk to youth where this is like just they hear that all the time. Love is love. All their peers say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I help people to see that love does not equal sex. What God is concerned here with is not the love. Love, you know, when people say God is love, exactly. Love is good, but love does not equal sex, mm-hmm. nor does love equal romance, yeah. nor does marriage have a monopoly on love. So when they say love is love, they're narrowly understanding love to be just marriage. You know, what's mm-hmm. even when, when people say um, You know, obviously, God is calling people not to be in a single sex relationship. So for for many, like myself, I'm a single man, Uh, then people think that uh, because I'm not, you know, married now, I'm open to it, but I'm not married now, that I can experience love, right? Don't we hear that a lot? Oh, mm-hmm. you know, I feel so sorry for you that you can't experience love. Right. Like that's
1: so hateful. And I've, I've heard Jen Hatmaker say that as well. Like to deny, deny
2: um, someone to love. the right yes.
1: to, to be loved and love in return is like, the, is the tr- purest form of hate or something, you know, the such extreme language that it's just like, right. no, I don't, but, I don't hate you, but, but I, that's not what I'm but trying to that
2: do. that completely denigrates every single person living today, mm. you know, even, how many people, let's not even just talk about people that are that experience attractions to the same sex, uh, in the church, how many singles do we know, uh, single ladies or single men who even are older and they've always wanted to get married, but they couldn't. Yes. So does that yeah. mean that they've never, ever experienced love before?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I would even argue, I don't even think that love between a man and a uh, man or woman in marriage is necessarily the strongest love here on earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know sometimes, you know, a mother's love for her child is sometimes even stronger or can be just as strong as mm-hmm. that type of love, especially when we see in Hollywood people falling in and out of love and in and out of marriages, yeah.
0: uh,
2: you know, like they change, you know, the paint on the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, we have to, I tell people that make you know, those type of statements, you know, as Christians, we actually have a pretty broad view of what love is, as opposed to the world view is a very, very narrow-minded view of love. Yes. That as if love can only occur in marriage, that's narrow-minded. As a well and of- it
1: right and it would make sense to why um you know those in the LGBTQ community would feel so incredibly unloved when
2: mm. Christians
1: would say I don't think that gay marriage should be you know should be legalized, or I don't think that, mm-hmm. that that's honoring to God, well, that's you know if we have idolized and made that as a culture or as a nation or um whatever the highest form of love, yes, and, and then we deny it to them like mm-hmm. I mean that is really unkind <laughs> that is actually really heartless and, and so fair
2: yeah sense. Yeah, and and you know what? What's so unfortunate? It it why? What's so unfortunate is how that has so permeated our understanding. So the Obergefell decision in 2015, June of 2015, mm-hmm. the, the decision from the Supreme Court that legalized same-sex marriage in all 50 states. You know, there's only five individuals that changed the course of, course of history forever. Justice Kennedy wrote the um, the majority opinion. And you can read it online, but he says something very, very interesting. I mean, and toward the end, he says, you know, to deny people marriage is to relegate them to a life of loneliness. So he's, so he's kind of what we were just talking about. He's, that was the, one of the big decisions that caused him to, to, to vote in favor of same sex marriage. But in addition, he said, uh, that marriage is the highest ideal of love. Yeah. You know, and, and he's, he's, supposed to be someone that says he believes in God and i'm like mm-hmm. have you read the bible you know right. <laughs> marriage is a, have you read first corinthians 13 and i know unfortunately you know probably the the main time that we hear first corinthians 13 is is in weddings i mean, i guess that shouldn't be unfortunately but mm-hmm. but that's we we think about we read first corinthians 13 and we think oh you know that you know this is how a husband and his wife they should love each other In context, when Paul wrote First Corinthians thirteen, he did not have love between a a husband and wife in marriage in mind. Of course, that could that that can be and should be applied to love in marriage. But when he wrote that, he actually had the church in mind. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: How shall I love you if you're my brother in Christ or my sister in Christ? Mm -hmm. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is you know so on. Love rejoices in truth. That's what it's really. Uh, Paul wrote that for. And uh, so to say somehow that marriage is the highest ideal of love completely not only understands God's understanding of love and unconditional love, agape love, Mm -hmm. but also even from a worldly perspective, uh, just ignores all the different forms of love outside of marriage. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it does and there's so many different uh different words used in in scripture for love. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Thanks for bringing that up. Um yeah. as we're kind of drawing to a close here, uh, I would love to know, you know, what would you say Christians are getting wrong? Cuz this is Christians are mm. listening to this. What what are we missing in this conversation? What are we missing in our approach with the world, with other believers who we may disagree with? What I mean, it just feels like such maybe maybe one of the hardest conversations that we're having right now as a you know as as churches as friends as we have friends that may be coming out and we are seeking to know how to engage with them or how to continue to love them and and I know I've heard from from my Hi. friends that uh, you know they really kind of try and walk this line of you know. Um, how much do I say to them versus how much do I trust God with their story and trust God to work in them and know that I, I'm not the Holy spirit. Um, so I feel like I just asked you two different questions. Maybe you could first address, um, address that one. Like, uh, how, how, what do you see the balance or the breakdown looking like there as far as, you know, just trusting God to work in that person's life. But, uh, but then also on the flip side, um, being faithful to share the gospel with that yeah. individual.
2: Yeah, I would say, uh, so, I, you know, one way I, I'm going to kind of critique uh, how, how, what I think we're doing wrong or mm-hmm. a few things that we can improve engaging to the world, but another critique uh, that is more like an in-house critique. So first one, I think we need to understand how unbelievers and those in the gay community understand sexuality, that they see this as an issue of identity and personhood, mm-hmm. not behavior. Christians, we understand rightly that sexuality is a, is a matter of behavior and desires, but, but unbelievers don't do that. So, and I think what we need to do is um, avoid also uh, being pulled into debates. Mm -hmm. And, um, and this is hard because as Christians, we're like, well, they ask, ask me a question, I need to answer it. You know, if they, you know, do you think this is a sin? Well, in that situation, I, I can obviously tell they're, uh, they're not even open to, to hear about what God says. In most situations, people, they want us uh, to fit into their narrow understanding of what Christian means. Mm-hmm. That means, a crazy bigoted right hand nut, you know, right, right wing nut, whatever. Right. Right. And, um, and so therefore by asking us that question, they know that we're going to say, well, yes, I do. And they were like, well, see you're the one one of those blah, 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 homophobic, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So don't allow them. and, And I actually get this right from the life of Jesus you know, when you read the Gospels, he was asked many, many questions. And these were well thought out questions from really smart Jewish people, Pharisees and Sadducees. And they knew, they knew all the debates that were going around and they wanted to pull Jesus into these kind of just trivial and stupid debates Mm -hmm. where if Jesus said one answer, they could come back with another thing because they've been doing this for so long that, or if he said another answer, they could just come back and they just go back and forth. You know, so many times Jesus being God and being, you know, infinite wisdom. And he like one time he was silent right before Pilate.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Sometimes he would answer a question with a question yeah. You know um, whose inscription is on this coin um, or he would give an answer. He would give an answer that was actually another an answer to a different question or answered the question broadly. Like like we said before, he was asked about divorce, but he was actually schooling them now on marriage mm-hmm. because Jesus always knew often that the question being asked is not the important thing. So he didn't even almost bother with that. Instead, he would answer with the question that would save them, the, a question that was about the kingdom of God. Yeah. In the same way, so when people ask a question, do you think this is sin? Well, let's just say I said the answer, and they're like, oh, my goodness, you're right. They're still lost. Yeah. That answer is not going to save them. Mm -hmm. You know, so so my goal actually is not so that I would convince them or that they would finally see that this is sin. Mm -hmm. My goal is that they would follow Jesus. Period. Yeah, and it's how just am I like, your make that like your mom. Like
1: your mom prayed for you. Like do yeah. whatever it takes. Yeah,
2: do whatever it takes. Do whatever. And so I, I. So what we want to do is kind of it's deflecting in a way, but not to ignore. We. I don't want to say ignore <laughs> or get around it. I'm. I'm afraid to answer I want to deflect and then talk about God. Like so. So for example, if someone asks, "You think this is sin?" You could either say, "You know, I value our friendship more than debating all the time." you know can we celebrate celebrate our similarities and tolerate our differences or another thing you could say is man i know you don't even believe in god so what does it matter to you what god thinks instead let's talk about the existence of god god mm-hmm. and, and about you know the the reality of jesus so um i think that then gets to because knowing about god and his son jesus that's going to save them mm-hmm. but there's a one more critique that i think that has to do with like in house um, and it has to do with we have to be more active about discussing this and discussing it with our youth that are just leaving the church in droves
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, you know uh, you know and so I, I forgot to mention you know. A, as, as I was with my testimony, you know, in prison, got out, went to Moody, you know, amazingly, you know, and, yeah. and and through that process, um, I actually wrote a book with my mom because I, I can't, as, as at the beginning of the, sh- of the show, I can't even talk about my, you know, journey of faith without talking about my mom and my dad.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I had the huge blessing of writing my book with my mom. And I just thought, you know, we put our book out there. She wrote chapter one. I wrote chapter two. She wrote the odd chapters. I wrote the even chapters.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But we wrote it just to encourage the body of Christ. Well, guess what? Christian schools are actually using our book as a textbook. Wow. You know, it was like our testimony. That's but, amazing. Know, it makes sense because our kids are being inundated with stories. Mm -hmm. stories about people who are so happy they've come to grips with who they are. And we don't have any counter narrative Mm -hmm. that lifts up the gospel of Jesus Christ. So people are using it and they're using the textbook that teachers are, parents are using it. So Uh, so we have to use that uh, in the homes and discuss that. Um, And and then my, my newest book, Holy Six Valet in the gospel. uh, Mm -hmm. Actually it just won the 2019 book of the year, uh, for gossip, for social issues, wow, um, like that's outreach incredible. magazine. Yeah. And um, people are using it because they're like, I want to learn more. And so I wrote this mm-hmm. book to help people to understand not just God's no, because we got that clear, you know, don't do this, don't do that, you know, don't commit adultery, you know, don't, you know, homosexual behavior is a sin. But what is God's yes? Because we can't build a Christian life on God's no. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I really saw that lacking right now in Christian literature. So I wrote this book to, to finally a book that actually focuses upon a theology, a robust theology of sexuality. There's two chapters on marriage, two chapters on singleness, and it helps us understand desires, temptations, and the last few chapters um, helping us to have this, uh, you know, how do we share Christ with those in the gay community? And mm-hmm. because we have to have this conversation and to do it in a way that's really gospel-centered, that isn't focused upon behavior management or focused upon, you know, how do I kind of just better myself or whatever, but how do we lift up the name of Christ and point people to the only one who is the savior of all the world?
1: Yeah. So good. Man, I'm just so appreciative of how you share your testimony and how you, uh, Point us back to, like I said earlier, just approaching people with grace and understanding, and and actually true love, not the not the kind of love that maybe you know is being demanded of us to just accept, yeah. but to actually love people to Jesus by you know maybe even um, put laying aside our own rights or desires to win an argument or convince mm. someone of our of our side or our position, but to um, you know, to just, I guess, bring them to the foot of God and, and ask, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ask the question that would point them to their need for him rather than the one that is going to make us look right. Um, and mm-hmm. those are uh, often probably not going to be the same. And so I think that's a needed reminder that I really appreciate and so many will benefit from um, in this conversation. So thank you.
2: Praise the Lord. Thank you.
1: Um, where can people find you and connect with you online? And I know you also have this uh, this newer book out. I'm sure that's probably available wherever books are sold. I'm guessing.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah. So my website uh, is just my full name. It's Christopher Yuan, and that's spelled Y-U-A-N dot com. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, just Christopher Yuan, and then Facebook which is also my ministry page is just facebook.com slash Christopher Yuan. And uh, so my two books, uh, the first one that I co-authored with my mother out of a far country, it, you can find it on Amazon. And um, it's actually in seven different languages, pretty cool, wow. Spanish, Chinese, Korean, et cetera. Uh, but then, yeah, my newest book, it's called Holy Sexuality and the Gospel, Sex, Desire, Relationships, Shaped by God's Grand Story. And that also can be found on Amazon as well.
1: Excellent. Thank you. I will link all of that in the show notes so people can find that easily and find you online and, uh, and get this book. I, I, for one, I'm going to be finding out if this is something that, um, our school is using and if not yeah. recommending it, cause I think that's an incredible way to, to really start having those conversations with our kids too. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Christopher so much.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me on Haley. Lord bless you.
1: Guys, thank you so much for listening today. Uh, Wow, we are nearing the end of the Christianity and Culture series. We have a couple more episodes left. I'm excited for you to hear next week. It's with Bethany Berendrecht on the topic of friendship and belonging. It's going to be incredible. Uh, So be sure and come back for that. And as always, if you want more from Kindled, join our Firestarters Patreon community for $10 a month. And you will get an extra bonus episode every single Friday uh, from me, usually just me and the mic, on a cultural or social or theological topic of my choosing. And it's always guaranteed to be fun, interesting. I mean, it might not be fun. It might be painful because sometimes culture is a disaster. Right now, it's kind of consistently a disaster. But it will be encouraging to you. I can at least say that. And, um, and I always make sure that the advice that I'm giving on there is biblical and I bring in scripture. And so it's a great place. I actually really enjoy, um, thinking of the topics that I'm going to cover and then recording them for you guys. So come join us on Firestarters at patreon.com slash Kindled podcast. All right. Until next week, have an awesome week.